This is the MLW Radio Network. In part by one row material. And here's your host, the substitute teachers you never knew you wanted or needed, Mr. Mike Freeland and Mojo Riverfish. Let the discussion begin as soon as that bell rings. All right, guys, welcome. It is Tuesday night. Can you believe the week has gone by that fast already? We're back and at it here on Front Row Material. I am Mike Freeland sitting in for the boys who are still away. Got a big show for you guys tonight. We're going to be talking a little bit about the AEW new show, Evolution. Evolution? Evolution? Avalanche? A lot of people aren't quite sure how to pronounce it or what to say. We're going to be talking about that show. It's hosted by Tony Schiavone and Paul White, formerly known as The Big Show. We're going to talk about what that was like. The very first episode aired uh, last night, and uh, it'll be the first time that we've seen Big Show in the booth. Very interesting to see how he fared on that one. Uh, We're also going to be talking about NXT. Uh, A big topic of that has been floating around my DMs this past week and what's happened with uh, NXT a lot of people have mentioned to me is it still entertaining as it always was or is it somehow starting to drag on a lot of people believe that NXT at one point had a lot of great stars but now it just doesn't seem to have the bolstered roster that it once was and some WWE fans have actually reached out to me and said that's why they're starting to bring back some more established guys hoping to lift up the gold and black banner. Um, We're also going to be talking about the big news that came through about WWE wrestlers and some of them backstage not necessarily wanting to be there anymore. There's been rumors also that Aleister Black, who's been sitting on the sidelines recently, also has discussed or shown his interest in maybe stepping away. Um, I'm waiting for my guest to pop on on here. Obviously, the the wonderful World Wide Web, as we know, doesn't always work as nicely as we would. But let me introduce you to this person. Uh, it's Chris Van Vliet. I'm sure many of you are familiar with Chris. He has a very successful uh, podcast that he interviews just about anyone in wrestling and in Hollywood. He'll be joining me talking about what it was like breaking into the broadcast business, interviewing different people, what it was like living in Canada. Yes, he's also a man north of the border. And uh, what it's like being a heartthrob. I love asking some awkward questions like that. And you can darn well believe I'm going to be asking some of those. We're also going to be rejoined by the man himself, the detective. And if I had some detective music, I would play that. Kind of like Inspector Gadget. That is the Mojo Riverfish. He's going to be coming back. The Ritz going to be joining us. Christopher Butt's going to be joining us. So, guys, as we get ready for our guest, please, 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 don't go anywhere. Who knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. But when it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com, where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Did you 
know, in this country there is currently a global pandemic in which men are being unclosed and mooching for t-shirts, as well as using their dead relative's chair. For as little as $5 a week, you can prevent this man from continuing to use a dead relative's chair, as well as going unclothed and mooching for merchandise from other podcasts and superstars. Please donate what you can at frmpod at gmail.com. I'm not a professional. That's 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 the whole thing. I muted myself and I'm basically talking to myself. You know what? Hey, I'm going to go find that bathroom stall, kids. While I'm trying to find the bathroom stall, let's bring in here real quick Christopher Butt. He's a man north of the border. Christopher, what's going on, buddy? I'm good. How are you, Michael? I have no problems whatsoever. You're looking fine and fresh. I see you got yourself a new haircut. Looking yeah. good. I needed it. Starting to look like a dirty hippie. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. Oh, man. So what has life been like since the last time we got together? Same grind. Just work. I'll relax a little bit. Nothing fantastic. It's a, it's a simple life I live. Well, I you know no what's different. So sometimes keeping it simple is the best way. Um, I don't know why I somehow seem to be having some technical issues here, but I want you to go ahead. I'm going to bring the rid in here as well. I want you guys to kind of share with us what's going on in your world as I kind of step out here and get ready for our guest having a little tech issue here. So you two take over. I will return. What's going on, bud? How you been? I'm good, buddy. How are you, Rip? Long, long time, long time no see. Yeah, well, it's been a couple of days. Yeah, a couple of days. So, anything new and exciting since then, or nothing? Uh, I live a very quiet, sad life. <laughs> nothing new, nothing exciting. So, what, what's this in the chat, man? Uh, sit there, and I hate Canadians. I I'm love Bret saying. Hart. I love okay. Celine Dion. Sorry to hear that. They're your two best Canadians. What about me? Uh, you're the butt of the jokes. Never gets old, does it, bud? Never gets old. I'm, but then again, I don't know what you're talking about. The boot? Okay, Terrence. So, man. So, a lot, lot of great wrestling, you know, it's been on since the last uh, last week. We had a uh, new show we're going to be talking about a little bit later from AEW. We had... Uh, what was it Monday Night Raw last week with the with the Miz and uh, Bobby Lashley? I rarely watch WWE to be honest with you. Uh, I sit there and watch it uh, just to uh, just to keep a refresher and keep check on my man Cesaro. He's okay. He's no Otis, but he's okay. No, he's half man Otis is. Literally, half. The All man. right. All right, we will we will pause this. We will come back to this conversation just briefly. The guys will come back and join us. But, no pun intended, we are going to bring in our guest this week. His name is Chris Van Vliet. He is he's a heartthrob. Let me tell you this right now. He is a heartthrob. He is one of the premier go-to people, not only in wrestling, but in entertainment as well. Um, a lot of people love to go ahead and speak with him when it comes to being interviewed. I am grateful to have the legend of Chris Van Vliet on the program. Chris, how you doing, buddy? 
I'm doing great. I'm a heartthrob. Wow. Thank you so much for having me on. Hey, I tell you what, I have read so many things here and I was reading an article where it was uh, some of the actresses were flirting with you uh, during the movie interviews. So before we all get into that, first of all, you are a very handsome man. Oh, thank you. I That's very kind of you to say. Just good lighting, <laughs> I think. May I, you know what? It's It's one of those things where whenever you meet somebody for the first time, it's either, oh man, this is going to be kind of tough. But I always feel like when I watch you, I feel like you're you're very neighborly and you just have that very warm presence about yourself. And I can see definitely why so many people do feel comfortable coming and, and talking to you. So let's, let's kind of get into this. How does a, a young man from Canada end up becoming this go-to interview guy? I'd love to hear your story. I appreciate the kind words. I think for me, it just started with passion. Like when I was four years old, I had a Fisher Price tape recorder, like with cassette tapes. And <laughs> I would pretend to be the radio show host that I heard on the radio. And I think that that's where it began. I just loved performing. And it was talent shows, hosting fashion shows. In high school, I did the morning announcements. I just always loved that. Communication studies class in high school was us basically recording TV shows. So wow. when it came time for me to choose a college major, I'm like, well, communication seemed fun. I mean, look, you're 17 years old and they're asking you like, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? Right. So I'm like, yeah, communication studies seemed fun. We got to play around with cameras and like, you know, do stuff on TV. So sure, that'll be that. So went to school for communication studies and basically dove right into broadcasting and radio when I was in college. But man, I had an epiphany in my final year, in my senior year of college, I loved college. I was living with four of my best friends, drinking copious amounts of beer. And it just, you know, kind of hit me that like, my goodness, when we graduate at the end of this year, like you got to go to work for, yeah. you know, the rest of your life. So yes. it was in that exact moment. I went, I don't want to be that person who hates my job. I don't want to be the person who can't enjoy Sunday because Monday is the next day and they got to go to do this thing they don't enjoy. So I reached out to every radio station, every TV station in my college town and just said, hey, I, I'm really passionate about this. Can I come in and see how it's done in the real world? Can I, can I volunteer? And that's really where it began. One radio station brought me in on their street team, handing out like stuff at different events. One TV station said, sure, we love volunteers. Come be part of the crew. And I did like wow. VTR and audio and um, floor directing, everything behind the scenes. And then this other radio station brought me on as a board operator and paid me $8 an hour. And that's where it all began. So I've just been super passionate about broadcasting. And I'm, I'm such a believer that if you chase after the things that you're passionate about, you start to point yourself in that direction and stuff starts to come your way. No, I agree with you completely. And I think your, your drive, your desire, and your willingness to do whatever it takes and, and not be one of those people who says, really, I got to go out and pass out keychains or I have to go to you know the Payless shoe store underneath the, uh, they usually have those big canopies and pretend and right. hand out yes, things. Yes, yes. That is the epitome in the media of paying your dues. I think, Chris, you and I kind of have some similar backgrounds. I, um, I as well went to school for media um, and I worked at a local radio station as well. And I would get up. It was the it was the morning show, and I had to be there, you know, around four a.m. And it was just, it was the grind, and then it was yeah. the the pre-produced interviews and the comedy bits, and you sit in the room with the writers, and it's an all day thing. A lot of people don't realize that just because a show is on, whatever show you guys happen to listen to in the morning, from I don't know six to ten, 
That's yeah. not the whole day. They don't just hang up their headsets and leave. Yeah. So you you truly need to be dedicated and passionate about it. And I think that is something that you definitely exude. So, so you're in high school. You're, you're trying yeah. to figure this stuff out. You're doing all these different things. You go and you get your degree in communications. Who was the first place that you got a chance to, to kind of cut your teeth once you graduated? So when I got that job paying $8 an hour as a board operator, I would end my shift. So a board operator is basically the person who's running the soundboard for every, everybody who doesn't know. So I was at a talk radio station. So they were doing talk you know, all day long. And I was like dialing up the guests and potting them up. When my shift was over, I would go into the production studio and read scripts. So I had myself an audio demo reel. So that's really kind of where it began. And then as I was getting close to graduation, I went, man, I got to get an internship because if I don't get an internship, I'm never going to get a job. And we're talking right. about Canada here. I, I grew up in Pickering, Ontario, just outside of Toronto. And there's not a ton of media jobs in Canada. So I was like, I just need to get my foot in the door somewhere. So I kind of <laughs> kind of lied my way into getting an internship. <laughs> I reached out to this pretty small TV station about an hour away from where I, where I was living in Peterborough, Ontario. It's Bobby Roode's hometown, actually. There you and go. I reached out to them and I said, uh, it's Checks TV was the name of the TV station. I found the general manager's email online through a lot of Googling and a lot of detective work. Found his email <laughs> and said, hey, it's my spring break next week. I'm going to be in town. It'd be great to come in and just talk to you about an internship. And he went, well, we don't usually do this unless you're earning college credits. But yeah, you've done some stuff with th these radio stations, volunteering this TV station. Yeah, it looks like you've stacked your resume. Come on in. This was a total lie because I had no plans <laughs> on going to this town. I hadn't been to this town in like 10 years. And it was the middle of winter in Canada. I was going to drive through the snow to make this interview happen. But I showed up. He said, yeah, you know what? I'll take a chance on you. And uh, long story short, that internship which was an hour each way of me driving. I was obviously not getting paid because it was an internship. I got my high school job back at the pet store, scooping dead fish in the fish department so I could pay for the gas to drive to my internship. That wow. internship ended up turning into a job. That's where I really got my first start. So I was a one-man band, if you will, the uh, multimedia journalist, where you're doing it all. Shooting, writing, reporting, editing, doing it all. And that's and then I, I became a news anchor there. That's where it really started for me. Wow. And it's one of those things too where you, did you ever get to the point where you felt like, okay, I'm starting to get a little bit of traction here. I'm starting to get people to, to recognize me. I feel like I'm starting to get my feet underneath me. What point did you realize, okay, now I feel pretty good about my track record speaking for itself? Well, I definitely wasn't getting recognized. That was for sure. <laughs> I had been in this uh, small town, Peterborough, for a year and a half, never got recognized ever, which I was like, am I, not, am I either not doing something right or is nobody watching the show? And I don't know, it's probably a combination of both. But I went to an open casting call for Much Music, which is like the Canadian version of MTV. And mm -hmm. I went to this casting call and they picked me out of the crowd and said, you're what we're looking for. We're going to give you a call back. That's when I started to go, oh, I think I'm on to something here. Like, if they like me, maybe this job's not going to work out right now. But if they like me, that's going to lead to some other things. That's going to open some other doors. So, about a year ish in, 
And then <laughs> this is funny too. I started staying late at that job. And because I had access to the cameras, because I had access to the editing equipment, I would shoot fake segments. So it looked like <laughs> I was hosting these more like fun entertainment stuff because right. I, was, I was working at a news station. I was reporting on local news. That wasn't going to get me a job at much music or MTV. So I stayed a little bit later. I would go out, film these things on my own, go back into the editing suite and edit this stuff together. So I had a demo reel that actually looked like I was doing the stuff. This is the epitome of fake it till you make it. <laughs> <laughs> it but it's, it's true though. It's one of those things where you know, we joke about it, but it's almost a must do, you know, either you have to have something unique about you. Um, if we're going to use a wrestling term, you got to have a gimmick and you, you absolutely yeah. have to have the work ethic to say, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get someone's attention. And you did that. Um, do you think people today, when you look back at some people who are graduating college, do you feel like they still have that same type of desire or do you feel like, I don't see as many people that were kind of like driven as I was. Well, I'd say that they have more opportunities now than we ever had. Like I graduated from college in 2005. You know, we didn't have these supercomputers, these cameras, these audio recorders yes. that were in our pocket all the time. So I'd say you have more opportunities. If you're passionate about whatever it is that you're passionate about, you can start a YouTube channel, a podcast, an Instagram page about it, which you couldn't do. That just wasn't an option for me. I think though that people might get discouraged a little too easily now. I think the people that are passionate about it, they start the YouTube channel and they understand it's a process and they just continue on with it. I think some people go, well, man, I made seven videos and you know they only got a hundred views. So this wasn't for What's me. going on? I tried. I tried. No, you, you didn't try. You took like the first two steps of a you know marathon. You didn't try. And I think it's really important to just continue doing it. So- I don't know if it's that people don't have the same passion or the same drive. I just think it's really easy to get discouraged, especially in a time when you can see other people around you that are absolutely crushing it. And I think that comparison yeah. is the thief of joy. And the only real person you should be comparing yourself with is who you were yesterday. Yeah, no, that's a good point. If, if you're not growing, if you're not able to compare yourself to where you were, you know, a day ago, a week ago, a month ago, and honestly say to yourself, I am positioning myself to be better now than I was then, yeah. then you definitely have some questions to ask for you. Um, yeah. yeah, if you're not so going you're, back, especially with what we're doing right now, if you're not going back right. like six months and looking at your stuff and going, ooh, oh, that, that was not good, then you're heading in the wrong direction. <laughs> yes. Um, you eventually ended up being able to take your talents to, I believe, Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. So how did the Cleveland, Ohio thing kind of come about? Was it weird leaving Canada, you know, coming down to the States? Uh, what was your whole experience with that? So if I'm going through my timeline here, I had that job in Peterborough, Ontario, the, you know, the first job. I went from there to hosting a show on MTV2 in Canada. And I thought I was going to be there like for years. And our show ended up getting canceled after I was on it for a year. It had been on for like 15 seasons and it got canceled. And I was like, oh, well, what am I going to do now? So I was out of work for seven months and it was scary because I had devoted my entire life and all my passion and drive into this one thing. So it was during that time when I was unemployed for seven months, 
when I was applying for all these other jobs in Canada and it would be between me and one other person, me and two other people and someone else would get the job. And I went, well, if I can't work in my own country, I'm going to start looking elsewhere. And that's when I started looking for an agent in the US. And I found a great agent at a great agency in Los Angeles. And they started pitching me for all kinds of other jobs. I had auditions in LA, auditions in New York. In the meantime, I started hosting a show in Toronto, an entertainment show. But my agent eventually said, well, there's this opportunity to be an entertainment reporter in Cleveland. How do you feel about that? That's your foot in the door. And, and let me tell you, it is not easy as someone who's <laughs> from another country to work in this great country, the United States. You need someone to do a whole bunch of paperwork, pay all kinds of money, all that stuff. So I was like, yeah, of course, I'm interested in this. So I went down for the audition in Cleveland and they pretty much gave me the job right away. They put my, this was crazy. I don't even know if they're allowed to do this. They put my audition on TV that night to see how the viewers would react to me. And my, what ended up becoming my boss goes, yeah, if, you know, we'll, we'll get some emails. If people don't like it, then we'll realize that this wasn't a good choice. So I ended up getting the job there and I loved Cleveland. My God, I'm still a huge Browns fan, but Cleveland has great people, great food, yeah. great beer. Love me some beer. And yeah, I was in Cleveland for five years. Then I was in Miami for five years hosting a show called Deco Drive on the Fox affiliate there. But when I was in Cleveland, I covered the Oscars. I covered the Grammys. I was fortunate wow. to win you know, four Emmys while I was there. I know. I was, I'm going to bring that up. That's <laughs> tremendous. So it was just such an incredible, great experience. And also Cleveland's a five-hour drive from my hometown. So while I was in a new city and a new country, all my friends and my family were able to drive down for a night or a weekend. And it was really cool to be somewhere very physically different, but really not that far away. What did you automatically feel super comfortable talking? Um, I mean, not just to people, you know, working for news stations and whatnot. When you really started talking to, you know, actors um, covering the Grammys, the Oscars, what was that like? How did that feel when you realized, okay, this is a different landscape, this is a different animal, all completely? Was that something that just, hey, you know what, it just kind of flowed, it came with you, or did you kind of realize, oh, this is going to take a little time? It went from like, I was interviewing people for news stories. And when you're interviewing people for news stories, most of them aren't used to being on camera. You know, you're interviewing a guy on the side of the street talking about the tree that fell on his car or something like that. Right. And when I went from there to MTV to Canada and I started interviewing celebrities, I realized, oh, they're used to this. Like they're used to being on camera. I've got to bring it now. And the whole thing there was, I really started to realize that when you're interviewing a comedian, musician, actor, whatever, director, they've done a lot of interviews. Sometimes they're doing 20, 30, 40, 50 interviews in a day. And I was trying to find a way to make my interviews stand out from those other interviews that they had done. So I really started to take that approach early on. I also started to like realize an interview is just a conversation with a different name. And I think that right. unfortunately, some people look at an interview with a capital I and they kind of freak themselves out. Oh my God, this is an interview. But if you and I were to bump into each other at a bar, like if bars were still a thing that were open, you know, if we were to bump into each other at a bar and have a conversation, you wouldn't worry about like, okay, I'm going to ask this question next. And when he's done answering that, I'm going <laughs> to ask this one. No, you would just flow with the conversation. And I, I started to realize the more that you listen, the better the interviews you know, can be. So it's an adjustment for sure. And it's a work in progress and it will be for the rest of my career. 
but I spent a lot of time early on and I still do it now. I go back and watch them and go, huh, how could I have phrased that better? Or perhaps maybe I shouldn't have asked that question or maybe I should have asked this question instead and just constantly be trying to like learn and evolve and grow. Has there been anybody that you've, you know, either gotten to know early on in the industry or somebody that you happen to come across and you're able to kind of pick their brain? We often talk about people who sit under the learning tree and somebody kind of takes them under their wing and says, hey, I notice you're doing this. I like this. I notice you're doing that. You probably shouldn't be doing that. Was there anybody that you can remember right off the top of your head that was really influential in helping a young Chris start to understand, oh, this is probably the way I should look at some things. Yeah, it's a great question. A lot of my coworkers, uh, you know, as I was coming up when I only had a year experience and you could just basically be like, how can I do this better? Or when I had five years experience, you feel like you've got a ton of experience. You've got five years is nothing. So a right. lot of it was just picking the brains of my coworkers who had been there, who had done it before me. But in terms of like a celebrity that really helped me out, I've, I've, I owe so much to Tyler Perry, who's been so incredibly kind to me. I've interviewed him a handful of times and he's just been like, dream bigger. Like you're great. You're so great at what you do. I, I appreciate what you do, but just dream bigger. And at first it was just kind of like, oh yeah, thank you. That's very kind. And then I was like, maybe he's onto something like this is Tyler Perry who's, you know, built in, you know, the biggest studio in Georgia and brought, look, Tyler Perry is crushing it with his career. Yes. And he kept saying that to me every single time that we talked, we, you know, we became friends and he just kept saying dream bigger. And that's really stuck with me. And the last, one of the last conversations that I had with him, he just said, if I told you, you couldn't fail, what would you change? I went, wow, well, I actually don't think I can fail because in every situation you're learning, you're growing, you're getting better. I don't think there's ever like such a thing as failure. And he's like, absolutely. Dream bigger and go for it. So I owe a lot of gratitude to Tyler for taking the time out of his insanely busy schedule to just be a bit of a mentor to me and you know, always be there when I've had questions for him about the industry. It's so funny that you mentioned that we talked to Eric Rowan, um, Eric Redbeard now, yeah. and it was a completely different experience, Chris, than I had ever thought before. And just like you talked about, hey, I invested my whole essence into what I'm going to do. And I asked him, I said, was there ever, was there ever any doubt or was there ever a plan B or a plan C? He said, I went to my parents. I told my mom, I sat her down and said, I'm dropping out of college. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to be a wrestler. And yeah. he said, the conversation with my mom didn't go so well. But the, the premise is that there's, there's a, a correlation between the mentality I see in you and in Eric Rowan and probably a lot of other successful people. They just know they are going to make it happen. There is no B, C, D. This will happen. And I think that's very unique to see in people. Because a lot of people will often say, well, there's a fallback or this, there's a fallback, but that almost kind of gives you a built-in excuse. And I notice some people say, no, it's, it's all out. I'm going all the way. So I commend you a lot for saying, this is what I am. This is what I do. This is my craft. And I'm just going to keep getting better at it until someone tells me that they don't want me around anymore. I just didn't want to be the person that when I was 67 years old, looked back and went, 
ah, oh, man, when I was 22, I should have tried this. When I was 24, I should have done this. I figured I'm going to go for it. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, I know that I busted my ass and did yes. absolutely everything that I could do. And you know what? The stars didn't align. It didn't happen. But at least I know that I gave it 110%. And I remember when I got that job for MTV2 Canada, another job that <laughs> I won't tell the whole story here, but another job where basically I lied my way into you know, getting it. They, they weren't looking to bring me in at all. The job was in Vancouver. I was in Toronto. That's like the difference between New York and Seattle, like 3,000 miles. Oh, wow. And I called up the station randomly. I knew the name of the person that was doing the hiring. And I called up like the front desk. Hello. And I said, hi, is so-and-so there? And they said, one moment, please. And I'm like, I can't believe this is going to work. You're going to put you through. I, I, I got that person's uh, voicemail, left a message. They ended up emailing me back and said, yeah, we're still looking at tapes. You know, we'll, we'll be in touch. But in the email signature was her direct phone line. And I went, oh, I will be calling you. I will be calling you in a few days. And I, I did. I <laughs> called a few days later. I said, hey, uh, I, I'm just following up. I sent my stuff in there. I'm actually going to be in Vancouver next Thursday. Total lie. I mean, 3,000 miles, five-hour flight away. Saw, you got well, this shtick down though. <laughs> <laughs> this is the whole thing about making yourself available, right? And I do yes. this a lot with my interviews now. I say, you know, I'm going to be in Tampa for WrestleMania week. It'd be great if I could, you know, if we could meet up for a few minutes, do an interview. So they brought me in and uh, ended up giving me the job, you know, all because I basically made myself available. But I remember when I got that job, I ended up moving all the way across the country 30 days later. And it wasn't even like a, it wasn't even like a second thought. Like wow. I was kind of like packed up my 1995 Robin's egg blue Toyota Corolla, packed it up with all my belongings and drove 47 hours to the West coast and started a new life. And I didn't even think twice about it. I was just like, here, here's my chance to host this TV show. And I think there's a lot of people that go, well, that's a good opportunity, but my family's here. All my friends are here. I don't know anyone there. I just went, what a great opportunity. I'm going to do this thing. Well, Chris, wouldn't you also agree that, you know, because a lot of people probably do say that, and that's a great example. Like everyone I know is here and this is all I've ever been around. Um, but I think people fail to realize though, it's not goodbye. It's, it's yeah. never goodbye. It's, you know what? I'll see you next weekend. You can either catch a flight or you can drive somewhere or there's other ways to keep those connections and relationships. And if a relationship is worth having and if a relationship is worth salvaging, you will find a way to keep that bond going, especially with, um, you know, cell phones. God, I sound like I'm dating myself. Yeah. And uh, God, uh, what do you call it? FaceTime. There's ways. Yeah. There's yeah. ways. And you always hear these stories of like, like someone like Miro moved to the United States to start wrestling school. He was going to train with Gangrel and become a pro wrestler. And that was it. And you hear these stories of like Tyler Breeze moved to the U S to start wrestling school. Like, no, he went to, he went to Lance's school, but pick, basically picked up his life, went to Lance storm school. And then after that went, I'm going to move to the U S because that's where wrestlers get signed. And I think it's just so important to, I always say vague goals, get vague results. And yeah. I mean, the opposite of that is specific goals get specific results. I don't know if people are specific enough sometimes. Like some people say, well, I want to lose some weight. Okay, well, if you lose one pound sometime this year, congratulations, you've achieved your goal. You've lost some weight. I think it's really important to be specific and give yourself deadlines. Like say, I want 
to lose 15 pounds by July 1st. I want to lose 50 pounds by the end of the year. And then hold yourself accountable to it. And I think it's important to do this in your career as well. I'm going to start wrestling school before the end of the year. I'm going to debut before the end of 22, uh, 2022, whatever it is. I think it's really important to like make yourself accountable for those things. Have you ever heard of people, and I don't even know what the name of this is, but it's like a, um, it's like a poster. And yeah. you put things on this poster and you hang them a on your wall. Board, vision board. Yeah, yeah thank you. Vision board. Yeah. Do, do you, it, it sounds like you may be kind of on board with that. Cause I've actually gone to a couple, my wife and I would go to different uh, couples houses, obviously not recently, but, and I saw this at one point on a closet door and yeah. it struck me very interesting. Like, I wonder why they have you know this picture of this. And there was a big dollar sign and had a cross through it, had loans. And, but it's just, it's all about what you were saying before it's, it, whether it's broadcasting, whether it's moving to another country to, to start wrestling, it's people who are driven to accomplish something and they find ways to hold themselves accountable and they are willing to put the time in until it actually happens. I don't have a vision board myself, but I understand the power of it. I write down my goals every single day, short-term goals, like what I'm going to do today, but also like massive, long-term, unachievable goals that I know I'll constantly be chasing after and it'll give me something to like constantly look at and drive at. But I, I truly believe that if you can see it in your mind's eye, if you can see it in your brain, it's completely possible that you can achieve it. And look, if somebody else out there is doing the thing that you want to do, that just means it's possible that you can do it as well. Like figure <laughs> out the way, like maybe they're at step 14 and you're at step one, figure out what step 13, 12, 11, 10, all the way back to what, where you are, figure out what those steps are. And then you can just follow that path. For some of our uh, for some of our wrestling fans, they're gonna they're gonna nag me if I if I don't ask a couple of these. But what was what was one of the neatest people within wrestling? Because I know you're a big wrestling fan, yeah. and maybe I should even ask this one first. How did you how did you even become interested in wrestling? Was wrestling a big thing in Canada, or just growing up? Did anyone introduce you to it, or was it just something you kind of stumbled across? I was aware of wrestling like when I was younger. Um, there was always sports on when I went to my grandparents' house. So whether it was, you know, hockey growing up in Canada, of course, whether it was hockey or baseball or football or basketball, something was on the TV. And when they weren't on Saturday night, my grandpa would just put wrestling on. He wasn't a huge wrestling fan, but let's just have something on the TV. That's when I learned about like Hogan and Warrior and Sergeant Slaughter and uh, you know, Repo Man, Coco B, were all those people. But it was a late 90s attitude era. One of my very best friends watched Raw every single Monday night. And in the 90s, you did this crazy thing called talking on the phone. It's wild, right? <laughs> and I knew that every Monday night at nine o'clock on the dot, our phone call would abruptly come to an end. And I said, all right, one, one Monday, I said, all right, man, like I'll stay on the phone with you. I'll turn on wrestling so we can you know, continue our conversation. And I just got sucked into it. Austin McMahon was a big storyline at the time. And when I get passionate about something, I go all the way in on it. Like, I don't check the depth of the water, temperature of the water, just dive all the way in. And I went from watching zero hours of wrestling, zero minutes of wrestling, to watching literally everything, Raw and Nitro and Thunder and ECW and Heat and Metal and Jacked and pay-per-views, everything, and quickly became a backyard wrestler. And I was just all the way into that world. So that's really where it began. That was in was 16, 17. I was on the high school wrestling team. I was a backyard wrestler. 
I made a pact with one of my buddies that when we got a little bit older, we were going to go to wrestling school, which I did. I went to wrestling school for a few months in Toronto. I trained at the squared circle in Toronto and then kind of came at a crossroads and was like, do I continue with school school? Cause I was in college at the time, or do I continue with wrestling school and kind of realized wrestling would always be there, but I wanted to get my degree. And now I'm fortunate that like I can still have one foot firmly planted in the broadcasting world and, you know, kind of dip my toe into wrestling every once in a while. So how did that even kind of come about as far as you being kind of this, and it's not that you're known just for wrestling because you interviewed tons of celebrities. How did it become, oh, hey, there's an opportunity to interview a wrestler. Who was the first wrestler you faced, uh, got to talk to face-to-face? -face, and how did that kind of morph into what we see now with your, your YouTube channel and your show? The first wrestler was Bobby Lashley, 2007, when he was the ECW champion. And honestly, it happened selfishly. I was hosting this show and we were interviewing all kinds of celebrities and comedians and actors and WWE was coming to town. And I said to my boss, do you think we could interview a WWE superstar? And she's like, yeah, yeah we, we do that all the time. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get paid to talk to a wrestler. This is mind blowing. So that's really where it began. I did an interview with Bobby Lashley a year or two later, uh, Mr. Kennedy, uh, Ted DiBiase Jr. Kind of just whenever wrestling was in town or whenever they were promoting something, I did an interview. And then when I moved to Cleveland in 2010, same thing. Whenever wrestling was in town, I became the wrestling guy. And I would always sell my boss on like, I'm a wrestling fan. I know you might not be, but trust me, like this is good. And I started doing that and then realizing I'm asking questions I genuinely cared about. Like I wasn't just going like, Hey, so wrestling's in town. How much are tickets? Which is your, you know, normal news interview. Oh, and I see that you're wrestling someone named John Chenna tonight. You know, like, <laughs> you know, I, I was asking like genuine questions that I cared about. And I was like, it kind of sucks that we're only airing 20 or 30 seconds of this on TV. And we, we you know, we would do a 10, 20 minute interview where I was asking like questions I genuinely cared about. So I started just taking the raw interview and just throwing it on my YouTube channel, which had like no subscribers at the time. And I honestly just wanted to do that because I wanted other fans to appreciate these conversations because they weren't happening in the general mainstream media really at all. And this was really before podcasts were a huge thing. So that's how it started. And we're going back here to like 2011. I got... Wow. I got access to WrestleMania access, WrestleMania 27 access, and did a few interviews there on a um, on a flip camera. Remember those flip cameras? Wow, we're going way back with this. So I did a few interviews with that, and I just figured whenever I had access, I would put them on this YouTube channel. And some of those videos started getting some really big views. So I just thought, anytime wrestling's in town, I'm going to make these interviews happen. Then I started kind of going out of my way. Oh, this independent wrestling show is bringing in Buff Bagwell. Let's see if I can reach out to them and get an interview. Oh, I got an interview with, they're bringing in Christopher Daniels. Let's see if I can get an interview with him. And then it just kind of started snowballing on itself. And that in, you know, in addition to a lot of the celebrity interviews I was posting, which were getting millions of views, my channel just started growing and it was com complete, complete accident. But I saw that, you know, it was getting that momentum and I just went, I'm going to start to lean into this and see what happens. And I think that's awesome because, you know, 
what you've said earlier, nothing is impossible. Yeah. The only thing is how, how far are you willing to go to get there? And everything that you're doing, like you said before, a lot of people, if they showed the initiative, could do it. But that's something the drive I've noticed is not something everyone has. And yeah. that in itself is very, very special. Yeah. Um, what would you say would be the most interesting person that you have met, it, whether it's wrestling or whether it's entertainment, somebody that you just was like, wow, that was really cool. But yet I kind of came away with a little bit more of who they are as a person, not necessarily just the persona either on screen or on film. Oh my gosh, that's tough. I've interviewed so many like incredible people, but you know, The Rock meant so much to me growing up. Like he was my favorite wrestler in the Attitude Era. Like I was, <laughs> I was raising the people's eyebrow in high school and asking people questions just so I could yell, it doesn't matter at them. You know, was, <laughs> so meeting The Rock for the first time really meant a lot to me. And my first interview with The Rock was 2012. It was backstage at Raw when he was preparing for his WrestleMania 28 match with John Cena. So I got Rock in like a wrestling setting. And I'll never forget it. Like we were waiting in this like side room to do this interview, me and a few other reporters. And I learned so much from every, not even stuff The Rock said to me, just so much by watching The Rock. Like he walked in the room, huge energy. You could feel the energy when he walked in, literally shook everybody's hand in the room. I know you always hear that with wrestling, but. That was just like a kind, polite thing. He didn't know if I was a reporter or if I was the janitor, but he shook everybody's hand. How are you? Good to meet you. I'm Dwayne. Good to meet you. Good to meet you. And that was a big one for me. And I've interviewed The Rock, you know, a bunch of times since. And there's just, he's so kind. He remembers my name now. He, like that, that, that's blowing my mind. The fact that The Rock knows that I even exist. So that, that, that's been a good one. And The Rock deserves all of the fame and all the accolades that he has now. Like he's worked so hard to get there. Like look at who The Rock is now versus who The Rock was even 10 years ago. Like people, oh, weren't, yeah. people weren't really caring about the game plan and the Tooth Fairy and Race to Witch Mountain. When Rock started doing Fast and Furious and G.I. Joe, my God, like Pain and Gain, was, his whole career changed. So Rock is a, a huge one for sure for me. And I was really blown away by the interview I did with John Cena at WrestleMania two years ago, the one in New York. I got you know, I was supposed to have 10 minutes with John Cena. At the 10-minute mark, I go to wrap it up. He grabs his phone, looks at the time. Ah, you, st ah, you still got more time. Keep going. Okay. okay. So I kept going. Wow. It's like, like oh, I really want to be respectful of your time. And he's like, oh, hold on, hold on. Looks at his phone again. Ah, ah, time for one more question. <laughs> but if you go back and watch that interview, like, Cena was just so very present. Cena was giving all kinds of great advice. He said something in that interview that I'll never forget. Control the controllable. You know, and, especially, and that's especially true over this last year. There's a lot of stuff going on that is completely outside of our control. But what you do have control over is how you want to react to the things that are happening. So those are both within the wrestling world, but those are two that, you know, really meant a lot to me. No, that's tremendous. Um kind of bringing things full circle here. We, we didn't want to not mention this here, but, you know, as much of a fan people are of you from the wrestling interviews and everything that you've done, let's not forget to touch upon those four beautiful, beautiful looking Emmys behind you right there. That is a hell of an accomplishment. And when it comes to something like that, how does that make you feel? I mean, now that you are at a certain level right now, um, and you may not, 
accept that, but I think the rest of us do. Um, do you look at those and do you hearken back? Is there ever a moment when you just kind of sit there to yourself and go, wow, I went from the guy who was just trying to sell, shuck and jive, trying to get you know a phone number for somebody to see where I am now. Does it yeah. ever just kind of wash over you and go, wow, I've really done something special? Yeah, I've taken some time certainly recently to like sit back and like appreciate moments as they're happening because you can't go back and like post appreciate a moment. So there's been some times when like I've literally just like taken 10 or 15 seconds in a really cool moment, a really cool setting and just went, I'm going to make a little memory bank for this one. And one of them, when I was, I was uh, sitting at the Emmys, when I was nominated, I was nominated the first year and I didn't win. And I just remember sitting there and going, I can't believe I'm I can't believe I'm up for an Emmy award. This is this is pretty crazy. I'm not a kid from Pickering, Ontario, Canada. Here I am in another country being nominated for an Emmy. And I remember like just taking that in and going, oh, this is pretty cool. I also remember leaving that night and going, I don't want to lose next year. <laughs> I don't want to just be nominated. And then the next year I worked really hard. Like I completely reverse engineered like what does an Emmy story look like? And I I spent countless hours watching all the nominees and the winners from previous years and just kind of making mental notes of, ah, I got to start doing this more. Maybe I don't do this. And I did a story that next year about Gregory Iron, who is the only professional wrestler in the world who wrestles despite having cerebral palsy. And right. he's from Cleveland. I was living in Cleveland. It's an amazing, incredible story. So he was gracious enough to welcome me into his home to follow his, him around, follow his story, interview his family. And I was really, really, really proud of that story. Even if it didn't get nominated for an Emmy, even if it didn't win, I was just really proud of that story. And it did get nominated and it did win. And, and it really meant a lot to me. So yeah, it's, it's in those moments that it's really cool to be able to kind of go, huh, yeah. No, the hard work's like paying off. But with that said, like, I still want so much more. Like, I'm just striving for so much more. Like, I, I want more every single day. Would you agree, though, in that, in that story in itself? You took that time over that last year. You worked really hard. You had an incredible interview that had meaning to you. Yeah. That it, it, it stuck with you. Yeah. Would you say sometimes the journey is in some ways much more valuable for how you feel moving on forward in your career than the destination? Meaning awesome yeah. to get the Emmy, yeah. but still the, what you did in that year was far and beyond a greater accomplishment than just the award at the end. Yes. I, I read a quote recently and it's so true. Like happiness is like, it's a, it's not a destination. Happiness is like the journey. So I think that, yeah, for sure, because, and everyone will say this after they win like an Oscar or a Grammy or an Emmy or something like that. They'll say, yeah, it was cool to like hold that award. And like after five minutes, you're just kind of like, all right, well, like what now? And What's next? Yep. You're right. And it's all just part of this bigger picture, right? It's all part of this like bigger journey. So yes, absolutely. Um, and I, I think that it's kind of cool that with the Emmys in particular, they reset every year. So that journey is just another year. And I was, I was nominated for an Emmy last year, did not win, but uh, you know, really cool to be nominated for a story I was so proud of. I, I, I swam with an alligator 
And we made a really cool story when I was living in Miami about like the fact that you can go into the Everglades and swim with this alligator named Casper and take photos with him. Yeah, you got to do it, man. It's so cool. Here's the difference, Chris. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut to the chase here. You swim with with an alligator. There's a high high chance you could fight the alligator or get away. Now oh, I jump in there. Okay, I'm the Kool Aid Man. I'm floating. I'm Peter Griffin in there. That alligator's not letting me go because he's thinking to himself, "I got breakfast, lunch, and dinner for about three weeks." <laughs> so you know what? I think there's a slight difference between your experience and mine, but. You know what? I'll, t- I'll take your word for it. And I if, may one day look into that. decided he wanted to eat me, I mean, it was over. It was over for me. But I was literally like, I don't know, two feet from him, not even, maybe a foot from him. Oh, yeah. Wow. Videos on my YouTube channel. You should check it out. <laughs> I was going to say, guys, if, if you are loving these stories right now, please, by all means, I highly recommend go to his YouTube channel, subscribe, watch all of the interviews. He oh, is very, very informative. And like he said before, and he and I were talking before we actually did this interview. It's about listening. It's yeah. about being a good listener. And I will tell you this for a large portion of my life, I have been a terrible listener. And my wife told me when I first met her, she has changed me in so many ways. Um, she said, you are, you're here. You're, you're, you're not really listening to me though. You know, mm. and there's a lot of truth to that. I think sometimes we get so caught up in our own world we think everything that happens to us necessarily is the be all end all. And we don't really dedicate that time to really listen to what somebody else has to say. And I think there's where a big disconnect happens and you have to be willing to open yourself up and understand what that other person is saying. Yeah. There's a big difference between hearing someone and listening to someone. And Larry King said it best. He said, I never learned anything by opening my mouth. And it's so true. Like you never learn anything by talking. You learn by listening. And that's been such a huge thing in my career to like be aware of like, not just be listening, but be actively listening. And when this is part of your job, like maybe you are going to ask this question next. Well, they're talking about this other completely other thing that's super interesting. Let's drive the conversation that way because the conversation will go that much better as a result of that. Have you ever thought about, and, and maybe you have done this before, have you ever done any um, seminars or any speaking engagements where you you start to talk to younger people or maybe um, speak at some universities about people who are willing to or wanting to go into the news or media um, and maybe doing some tutelage on the side with that? Has ever that ever come up or is that something you've ever considered to kind of work with the new class of Chris Van Vliet's? Yeah, I've certainly spoken to a lot of students, I would hope that they would raise the bar and you know, try to achieve something more than Chris Van Vliet. Like maybe it's the next generation of Michael Strahan's or Ryan Seacrest's or, you know, Wayne Brady's or something like that. But yeah, I've spoken to a lot of students and I think it's, it's important because this isn't something that I had. I didn't really have, I had people I looked up to on TV, but I didn't have like, be, like reach out and like shake their hand and go, how did you do this thing? I just kind of had to forge my own path and figure out my own way. So every opportunity I have to speak to college students or high school students, I take it because I want people to see I'm no different than you. I'm not, I'm not special. I don't have any different set of skills. This feels like a Liam Neeson line there. I was I just about to say. <laughs> I don't have a particular set of skills. I don't, I don't, 
I don't have anything different. I just went for it. You know, I just, yeah. I had a big ass dream and I chased after it. And now the dream just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Chris, this has been fascinating. And, and I feel like I could talk to you for hours, but in respect of your time, I am thrilled to get to know. The one thing I love to do is to get to know new people and build new relationships yeah. and learn from other people. Um, I have learned a wealth from you already in this conversation. I know people have enjoyed this conversation as well. You are a very impactful person. Um, and I think we can all take something away from this and we can say, you know what, you know, whether it's media that we want to go after or whether you said before losing weight or whether it's, I just want to improve on this by the end of the year, that's something that we all can relate to. And we all can say, you know what, I do think I need to try this. And you know what, maybe I shouldn't be so worried about it not working out because I'll just start again. Um, it, it's great talking to you. Where can people find you? Um, I know that's probably the silliest question in the world because so many people who are watching this know you, but tell people where they can find you, um, Twitter handles, all that kind of stuff, if they would like to follow you on social media. Thank you so much for having me on. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. And I hope that, you know, I hope that people look at this and go, man, I can't fail. Because there's no such thing as failing. It's you win or you learn. It's not win or lose. It's you win or you learn. So you can find me at Chris Van Vliet, V-A-N-V-L-I-E-T, wherever you, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, on YouTube, I'm Chris Van Vliet. And my podcast is Insight with Chris Van Vliet. Oh, you can also check me out at ChrisVanVliet.com. That is perfect. It's so funny you mentioned that because I, I teach and there's different placards, different, it's funny, different teachers, depending on how long they've been teaching, they have these little different placards with sayings in their classrooms. And yeah. when I first got there with student teaching, there was a, a placard that said, remember the lesson, forget the mistakes. Mm -hmm. And there was another line that Steven Tyler said, he was very upset. I forget. It was like, I want to say 1994. It was the VMAs and his uh, his earpiece wasn't working, so he didn't start dream on the right way. And he was so upset when he got into the limo to go back to his hotel. He was just ranting and raving. And his driver spoke up and he said, well, how did it go? And he said, oh, I, I couldn't I couldn't get the song started the right way. And, and this wasn't working and blah, blah, blah. And the driver said, but how did it end? And he mm -hmm. said, it's ended great. And he said, that's all you need to know, my friend, how that's it so ended. Good. I love so, that. It's so true. You know, that, that, that age old quote of, you know, people were never going to remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Yes. And think about this. The next time you go to a wedding, you won't remember what the best man said or the maid of honor said, or the mother, of the bride, you won't remember what they said in their speech. But later on, when you're on the dance floor and you've had a bunch of, you know, drinks, you will remember, was he the funny guy? Was he the nervous guy? You know, was he the sentimental one? Did he cry? Whatever it is, people can remember that about you. And I think that's really important to like make that impact. And you're right. That's such a, I'm stealing that quote. It doesn't matter how it starts, matter how it ends. Yes, absolutely. It's uh man, we could go on for hours, but I tell you what, maybe down the road, is there any chance we could twist your arm to, to maybe get a little more insight on life and, and everything that is Chris Van Vliet? I'd love to sign me up. Let's make this thing happen. Dude, I'd love it. Guys, support Chris. He's a tremendous person. Like I said before, I'm going to be tweeting his stuff out after the show is done tonight. Chris, thank you so much for carving out some time, and we will definitely talk to you down the road. Thank you. And I'm sorry that I jumped on late. I guess I didn't get your original email. Well, if anybody knows about this show, I usually do it with Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whipwreck. And Jerry Lynn is the epitome of 
Oh, dinner was at four and it's six. Oh, I didn't. Re- yeah. So don't even worry about that. You know what? Hey, how did it end? That's it. it. I was. You're like, click on the link. I'm like, what link? There's no link here. But I'm glad we made this work. And you're right. This matters how it ends. That's right. You be good, my friend, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Be well. Appreciate you. See ya. Bye. All right, guys, that is Chris Van Vliet, somebody who, a tremendous interview right there. Um, A guy who I have personally followed, and I have read a bunch of his stuff. I have watched a lot of his interviews on YouTube. Once again, go to YouTube, subscribe to his channel. Very natural flowing person. It doesn't really feel like an interview. That's when you know somebody's good at what they do is when it feels like it's just a couple of people sitting around, drinking a few drinks, and having some fun, and it's not like, Oh, okay. Well, um, I want to say this now. So anyway, I'm done. You've heard me talking for way too long now. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to throw it to this commercial. God, I hope I do this right. When we come back, we are going to be joined in by the fish, the butt, the writ, and so much more. Don't go anywhere. I am drawing this, <laughs> this out because good God, I don't know how to control half this crap. Uh, let's see if this is going to work. Let's see if this is, oh, you know what? I'm too sexy. Everybody loves the, I'm too sexy. You're too sexy. And we'll be right back. I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave me. shirt too sexy for my shirt so sexy it hurts and I'm too sexy for Milan too sexy for Milan New York and Japan take it and I'm too sexy for your party too sexy for your party no way I am just go dancing I'm a model, you know what I mean, and I do my little turn on the cowwalk, yeah on the cowwalk, on the cowwalk, yeah, I do my little turn on the cowwalk.
Is that any good? Oh my god. All right, I'm back. Did you miss me? Well, if you did miss me, I'm here for quite a long time. But you know what? I'm also here with my friends. Let me bring him in. He is the man with a great beard and the amazing collection of AEW action figures. His name is The Rit. Buddy, how are you? Thank you for holding on. We appreciate you. Uh, I'm doing great, Freeland. Uh, how are you doing? You know what? I got no complaints. No complaints. The cholesterol's low. Uh, I had a virtual doctor's appointment, which means I didn't have to get on that scale in front of his awkward nurse. That made me feel good, so I was able to slip her a fake number. It's all good, my friend. It is like they say. It's all cream. Now, when you slipped her a fake number, was it you know the size of your phone number or uh... – Oh, no, no, my, my gimmicks measured in centimeters, my friend. Speaking of a different unit of measurement, let's bring in the man with the butt. Don't call me an ass man. He is from the north. He's got the wonderful melodonic voice. He's drinking himself a nice, tall beverage. Christopher Butt, how are you, buddy? Doing good, Freeland. How are you, bud? I am doing fantastic. That beard is looking like the kids would say on fleek. Sure. Am I am I am I still now now uh, now fleek no no one gets it oh my god we're gonna have to bring someone in to investigate this whole situation he is someone we missed last week I need to fillet him this week in a very nice way he is the private eye himself he is Mojo Riverfish look at this guy he's bat wow you uh you got yourself quite a setup there my friend. Yeah, we spared no expense in the green screen, so. <laughs> you doing, okay, so. You know what? I'm good. I'm better now that I'm joined with you guys. Um, we missed you last week. You were uh, you were on assignment. And if there is any chance, are we able to twist your arm to maybe give us a, uh, the names will change, but the story will not. I was in Eastern PA last week. Actually, I've been in Eastern PA the last two weeks. But I have a better story to do story time with a fish. Ooh, I like it, that. It does involve a stripper. It does involve a stripper. You know what? Any good story happens in eastern Pennsylvania going. with a stripper. Oh, but it's good to have you back here, so, my friend. No, good to be back. I am I'm actually joined in studio by somebody as well. I am joined in studio by one John Moxley. Really? Clearance. How the hell is that remember clearance? This, remember that, that's our first that's our first topic this week here, guys. So if, if you're not familiar, by the way, thank you for everybody for joining us again this week. Um so the fish and I are texting back and forth, and he says, Hey. And I say, Hey back. He says, You ain't gonna believe this. Funny story. <laughs> I found myself an AEW action figure <laughs> in the bargain bin. So you know what? I'm going to turn it over to you. I would like for you to share with the audience how you came across said John Moxley. And what was your initial reaction once you found there was a sticker that said, oh, this isn't the full price. Yeah, turned down clearance aisle at Walmart. I'm like, what's here? What's here? And then, then, then I'm like, John AEW, come on. And I even went back and scanned it. I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm like, $14, 
John Moxley AEW series figure. I can't find him freaking anywhere. And I just kept there and staring at him like, well, I should really take a picture, at least show the boys. So I did. I, I texted you a picture and I, I texted Rid a picture and Bud a picture and uh, Beardo. And I'm just waited just to troll everybody. And uh, I did end up walking out with it because I still haven't figured out what yet I want to do with it. Um, I know Mr. Butt has uh, put his uh, bid in. So I'm just trying to figure out if I do want to sell it or um, you know what the hell else I had to do with it. I'll probably end up selling it. Well, I was about to say, John Moxley, AEW figure. So I know the buy. I want to get what the butt's take is on this one because obviously he's already putting his two cents in, no pun intended. But is everybody just universally, you guys can jump in here in the chat as well. Are these things easy to find? Because for whatever reason, I seem to be having the most difficult time finding this. So let me know what you say in the chat. Are you finding these figures? Are they showing up at your local Walmart? Are you having a wheel and deal? Because I'm going to be honest with you guys. I am not willing to pay the prices that I'm seeing on eBay and on Amazon. I'm not going to spend 40, 50, 60 bucks on an action figure that may cost me 19 bucks or in Fish's case, 15 bucks. So, but what's your I've take on this whole thing? I've never seen them. The only way to get them is online for me, I guess. I don't know if they're not available up here or I'm just not lucky enough to ever find them, but I don't know. They're they're a pretty hot commodity. I mean, I know the Ritz got probably most of them by now, if not all of them. He doesn't the Ritz, share any, but, you know, that's okay. The Ritz, the Ritz, let, we're going to get to the Ritz here. The Ritz was very smart when it came to this because he knew that these figures were coming out. He started to line up his, his infantry. He started to get his connections. And the minute all that happened, all he did was wheel and deal, and he made it happen. So, Ritt, tell me, outside of your wheeling and dealing, were you able to find these readily available in your area? Nobody's ever uh, called the Ritz smart before, just for the record. <laughs> That's a first. But, uh, no, I, I found one figure at a Walmart – I can't remember which one it was. Oh! Yes, I can. Kenny Omega. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, this, this was, story just keeps getting better. That was the, uh, the first figure I ever got. Kenny Omega, action figure at Walmart. Then uh, I went and did a little bada-boom, bada-bing, hide my dick, sent me the Young Bucks from Series 1. And then, uh, well, I found a local shop near me, and they, uh, I went in there, and I totally forgot they sell anything wrestling. And he's like, I've got Series 2 coming in next week. If you want a set, I'll take it. So I got Complete Series 2 for 180 bucks, which isn't so what is that. <laughs> which isn't bad compared to what they're selling them to on the internet. Well, and that was my question. So 180 bucks, how many figures are you getting for 180 bucks? Six. So it's 30 bucks so, a piece. Okay. So, so you're okay. So it's a markup of 10 bucks. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, that's not terrible. Then, no, then, it's not uh, terrible. And, and actually my, the missus is the one that got me those for Valentine's day. God bless her. What a so. wonderful woman. 
then uh then i went and got me uh on ebay i found a steal some guy was selling complete series three 186 bucks got wow. the habit i tell you what some people are the bride some people are always the bridesmaid and that's me so i tell you what i'm happy for you i will say this i'm happy for you that you have gotten i'm not <laughs> wow so what are you going to do what is your what is your game plan but what is your game plan to find somehow find these things without having to sell a pint of blood and a kidney wait for the border to open and hopefully get to upstate new york no it'd be nice if i had some good friends in the states that could help me but well, you know, Mojo solid. He'd probably help me. Mo Freeland, well, you I can't find nothing, so you're fucking useless. I am and useless. I the am writ useless. is the writ. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't. Want, I don't want you to have to sit there and, and do a second mortgage on your house for the shipping to go to Canada. You're not wrong. It, it would be a fortune. Wow. So, kind of bringing this conversation full circle here, Fish. Uh, so you found it. You got it. Are you an action figure person to begin with? Is that even your forte or is this just something that, hey, I was taking a break. I need to stop off here. I saw it. I picked it up. Was it just kind of those coinky dink situations? Coincidence and happenstance. Usually I go through uh, most Walmarts or Targets, hit the Target, hit the uh, clearance aisle just to see what they got, just see what I can find. And I just happen to walk into it. Otherwise, I, 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 I was looking for them just for the sake of some of the guys that are looking for them. Uh, Beardo's looking for them. Butt's looking for them. Um, I think Mike Unit's looking for them too. So it's always cool to kind of help out a buddy if I can. Right. No, I agree. If not, 100%. take some force out with the coals. You know what? A friend. What did they say? What did they say? Uh, a friend in need is a pest. That's by Bobby Heenan, my friend. So if you can make yourself a little bit of money and and do something fun with it, I totally endorse that. But uh, if anybody somehow finds a way to get these action figures into uh, any of our areas, I would love it because I have literally been driving within a 30-mile radius, north, south, east, and west, and uh, I cannot find anything, nothing. We just don't have them. Interesting, so. Interesting so, so that you invoked right. Bobby Heenan's name. Would you like to share? Because oh. I found my Bobby, I found my Bobby Heenan uh, autograph. Oh wow, that's awesome! On an eight by ten, and it's yet another piece of merchandise. I have no idea what I'm doing with it. I met him years ago, yeah, about twenty years ago. Got his autograph. I have it. I got Larry Sabisco's autograph and a nice big, eight. and. Um, I have no idea why I got it, why I still got it, but I'm sure there's somebody else out there that might want it. So if there's somebody that would really appreciate it, please DM me. I'm sure we can make a deal. Hey, if not, I was going to give it to Mikey. Hold on, hold on. I think we already got our <laughs> we already got our first person. Butt's already first in line, right? Pick me up. Let, let's yeah, I was going to say, there is already. There, he can ship it in one it's package. It's a and white 8 by 10 that I got. Perfect. Let's swing I something across the border. It's not the first time I've gone across the border. That's oh, I, I love it. That sounded dirty. 
It did sound dirty, but it sounded good dirty. You know what I mean? And but you don't have to worry about me uh, me jumping in and cutting the forty six percent middleman tax out, but like uh, yeah. that trophy. Yeah, I got ripped off on that one. Didn't even. I had, no, I had no idea that there was a bidding war between the two of you for the Jerry Lynn Japanese trophy. There wasn't. No, I didn't have a chance. There was no bidding war. Oh, uh, so so. Uh, I cut the middleman out, texted Jerry right away, and he said sold. Yeah. Wow. I'm not cool enough to have Jerry's phone number. Neither am We're I. Gonna have... <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to get you hooked up with that. Jerry's a good dude. He, in fact, he even puts bonus gifts inside his packages, such as his wife's decorations for the holidays. So yeah, that's that not something everybody back. can say. Yeah, especially when I had to send it back because Jerry would have been in the doghouse till next Halloween. Yes. So if if anybody knows where these figures are, I, I'd like to know what they are because they're MIA in my area. And if you uh, if you're interested in in finding anything out about making deals, I know Christopher's probably already hot on his cell phone right now. Uh, he's getting roaming charges because he lives in another country, but he's probably reaching out to the fish right now, saying, "Hey, man, let's get this done." We're uh, let's move on to our our next topic, which I thought was really interesting, uh, and I did put these on capital letters because they call him the big show. Get it? Big letters, big big show. Buy it. Buy is not in big letters. Right, right. Because I wanted to accent or accentuate the big show. So, have either one of you, any of you guys, seen the new AEW Monday Night Show that's airing on YouTube? Um, God, I'm going to butcher this. <sighs> it's not elevation. What is Elevate. it called? Altitude. Elevation. Altitude? Elevation. Elevate. There we go. God, Are you I a fucking teacher. I am slippy slappy Samsonite. <laughs> I'm sorry. That line right there from from Dumb and Dumb. I swear, I could have seen that a hundred thousand times, but the fact that it was—it's ridiculous. But it's so Samsonite. I was way off. Oh my god. Okay, so has anybody seen it? Um, it was airing yesterday on YouTube. Anybody in the chat seen the new show? If you have, I would love to hear what your comments are. I have not uh, got a chance to check it out yet. I can't help you with that one, but negative. However, I would enjoy watching a big show just through commentary. He's been around forever. You would think he's got some good knowledge. Hopefully, he's passing it on to the younger crowd. I think that could be great. I'll no, I tune in. I agree with you completely on that. I think it would be really interesting. Much like football and basketball and baseball, would you guys all agree? Um, not every single former player is necessarily a good analyst. There's a lot of people that I've seen who've been former athletes that just don't come across the screen very well. But then there are some people who do a really good job. So let me throw to you, Fish. Is there anybody that you look at right now and you say, when they decide to walk away from wearing the boots, they can definitely step behind the microphone in the booth? I mean, Jericho's automatically in. I mean, he just slide, he's already sliding in and out of the booth as it is. So when he decides, you know what, I'm done taking bumps. I'm not going to get abused anymore. I'm done. He goes right into the booth, like automatically. 
he becomes our 80s Roddy Piper, Jesse Ventura, um, who was the other, wasn't there a third wrestler that did that? Um, but he slides right like effortlessly. And he can talk wrestling, he can play heel, he can do color, I mean, he can do it all. But who's your pick? What are you thinking right now as far as who could slide into that booth and still keep the broadcast going and not see a decline? Otis. Come on, oh, Rick. You love it. No, seriously, The Miz. Beardle said it. The Miz would be fantastic. Great talker. I can't see how you would miss with somebody like that. I will admit, I have seen some interviews with uh, Otis, and he he's much more calm, obviously, when he's not doing his character. Um, I, but I think there's a lot of people who, if you knew their personality outside of their, their shtick, might actually surprise you. Um, I'm trying to think of, of who somebody that comes to mind right now who's really good. I like uh, when Natalia has done stuff in the booth as well. Uh, Beth, I think Beth Phoenix does a really nice job in there. And that's not somebody I would have initially thought would have been good um, behind the mic. Now, on the flip side, is there anybody that you could see I would never want them to be behind a microphone? I just think it would absolutely – the broadcast would just be dead. We're going to start oh. with the writ. Who do you think, writ would just absolutely – it would be nails on a chalkboard? Brock Lesnar. Oh, yeah. That, that one time they went and gave him a live mic and I turned the channel because I couldn't not deal. He had no idea what he was saying, doing, and that's exactly why he's a Paul Heyman guy. Because he can't talk and he needs that mouthpiece, right? Exactly. Yeah. Roman thing. Well, I think it's hard, though. I, I think it's a lot harder than most people give it credit for, transitioning from one role to the next, because I think for most of these, they're not going to be an Excalibur. Now, how many how many of you guys are actually Excalibur fans? I don't mind Excalibur. Some of the stuff he goes on with, I don't oh, understand. Oh, what he's doing. But he's not terrible. There's been worse. So if you – okay, so, so – but if you say on a scale 1 to 10 – You'd say Excalibur is probably a five? No, a little bit. Seven. About a seven. Uh, Fish, yeah. what are you saying on Excalibur? I love Excalibur. He's very high speed. He can keep up with the pace of the match. He knows every single wrestling hold when they come out of, I mean, just out of nowhere. And he's like right on top of it, right on top of it. There's no delay. Um, I love Excalibur. He's right up there with like Matt Stryker. A striker's only guy that I'm listening to um, because they have such great knowledge of every single move and they can keep up with the speed of the game. Um, I think something that is comparable, and, and but tell me if you agree with this, could you say Excalibur is our modern-day Mike Tanay? Do you think, because they called him the professor, but Ooh. I really think that he might be today's Mike Tanay. Your thoughts on that, and then we'll go around the horn. That's a good one. Never thought about that. That's pretty high praise. Um, yeah, I'll, I could see that. Maybe a, a touch lesser than Tanay, but yeah, along the same lines. 
just with the skills that I mean, the skill sets, I guess, that he knows every bloody move there is. And like Modro said, he's right on top of it. That's probably not a bad call. Yeah. Solid. I'm I'm pretty happy with him. Rit, are you uh, are you feeling the same love for Excalibur or are you thinking I'm going in a different direction? Uh I, I like Excalibur. You know, he he's he does great job doing the play by play. Uh another guy, you know, I know we're talking AEW, Nigel McGinnis. Yes. I think he's more of a Mike Tanay, you know, uh, catch and catch style, you know, than uh, Excalibur. Okay. But, you know, Excalibur, he, he gives something that they actually need on AEW. You know, you need somebody that's able to go move to move to series, the sequence over and over again. And, you know, he, he brings a little flavor that, you know, today, uh, not today, but Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross can't keep up with. So speaking of the broadcast booth here, do you guys think at some point in time, AEW, and we'll start off with Fish on this one, they may need to revamp the broadcast booth at some point just for the simple fact that AEW is a young company. Obviously, they're going to be trying to draw younger fans in. Do you think they may start to phase in a younger demographic? They got the 47, the, the 18 to 47 or 49 demographic. But do you think that in all actuality, any company that's growing always needs to have their eye on the future? I'm pretty sure they're going to probably have to start bringing in some younger interviewers um, and start grooming who's going to be Jim Ross's replacement. I'm not sure how much longer Jim Ross keep up because he's, what, in his late 60s? Um, unfortunately, I heard from Ball Palsy, which yeah. has, has impacted his speech, and that's going to start going downhill sooner or later. I don't wish that upon him because I do enjoy listening to him, but let's face it, you know, he's... He's up there, and um, they're going to have to start grooming someone to come in behind him and uh, take the mic. Britt, what's your thoughts on that one? Do you think, yeah, I agree with him. We're going to have to start kind of phasing in maybe the next generation like they kind of did with Michael Cole, or do you think, no, it's too hard to find a good one. Let's uh, let's If it's not broke, let's not fix it. Well, I think for like Shivani, you have to sit there and have – one or the other. You can't have him out there doing all the interviews and have a spot in the commentator's booth. Right. I think, I think you know, have him do one or the other will be suffice. That way you can have somebody younger come in, step in, you know, or maybe not even do a three-man booth. Maybe just stick to a two-man booth, you know, see how that plays out if Shivani wants to go and do all the interviews. But it they're eventually going to have to wean the younger people in, catch eye, you know, so they can actually get the younger viewers in because that's the that's the demographic that they need to work more on. Not sure if our uh, our show statistician here, because uh, Boog usually jumps in here with uh, stats and all these kind of random things that we can't quite finish our sentences and, and know. I would like to ask the question, what was the name of the broadcaster who was in the booth for All In, the very first one from Chicago? I forget what his name was. Very well-spoken, very fluid on the mic. 
for the life of me, I can't remember what his name was, but I thought he was excellent. And it surprised me that he wasn't brought in once they started doing um, Dynamite. It really surprised me. Does anybody remember what his name was? I'm working on it. It's going to be either Boog or Jersey Devil. Yeah, somebody's going to pop in here. I know Boog is traveling, so he may or may not be in the room here. But if Jersey Devil can find out who that broadcaster was on that first AEW all-in pay-per-view, um, really, really good. Jersey Devil saying Golden Boy, is that uh, is that the name of a, of a broadcast? I'm not really familiar myself, so... I will have to take your. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't Ian, and it wasn't Dalton Castle. Um, wow. Tearing. Brent Tearing. 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 Yeah. There mm-hmm. we go. Brent Tearing. Excellent. I thought he was really good. So if anybody has had the chance to listen and watch the replay, I believe you can find that on YouTube. Listen to this guy. This guy is really good. And when I did not hear his voice. Going forward with AEW, I was kind of like, I was scratching my head like, this guy's really good. I'm really not sure what has happened with that. Um, do you guys remember hearing him in that first pay-per-view, or has it been kind of too many moons away? I was probably drunk. I don't remember. <laughs> we- <laughs> I love the it's honesty. A while, but I lo- A good announcer team affects the product. It does. I mean, look what Impact just did. Impact just flipped their booth. Impact took out Josh, uh, whatchamacallit, put in Matt Stryker and some other, I think it was named off the top of my head, totally changed the product. I shouldn't say totally changed, but it vamped it up. It took it up a couple notches, having better voices, you know, to go with the product. But would you also say, Fish, in that same regard, sometimes you got to mix it up. Variety is a spice of life. I mean, my wife likes to change the furniture in our living room every couple of months. Sometimes, if you're going in a different direction with your product, sometimes people may want to hear a different voice. You got more family members dying off? Oh, yeah. You got to change the curtains if you want to change the room. Hey, I tell you what. If they're nice and there's no stains, I'm all in. Okay? Just, hey, you don't look to gift horse in the mouth, and you don't let a dead relative's belongings go to waste. I know that seemed a little weird, so I'm going to jump off that. Now, I already have tickets. Um, Let's go ahead and let's jump on to our next topic. And I think this is interesting because I think I want to get my panel's comments on this. And here it is. Is it fair to criticize NXT? And let let me kind of preface and set this question up. A lot of people recently have said NXT's product is not good. And what I mean by not good is when we compare it to what it once was, when we were at the Tommaso Ciampo versus Johnny Gargano level, when we had um, so many compelling storylines, when a lot of the guys who are now moved onto the main roster or thrown in the back uh, cupboard, not being used, were. There was a point in time when NXT was absolutely red hot. Are we there anymore? Or is it not no. fair to compare those two different eras, if you will. We'll go with butt first. You're not there at all. No, there's just no excitement to it. It doesn't seem like there's any, nothing to sit down and you're on the edge of your seat. You're drawn into it. For me, anyhow, 
And they, they do have a lot of talent there. It's not like they're a bunch of bums. Right. But there's just nothing drawing you in. Nothing drawing me in anyhow. Nothing to get excited about. Nothing I really give a damn about. So for me, it's no. So if you were right now to say, when was a time when you thought NXT was at its peak, in your opinion? Where would you say that was? Well... I so want to say it was about Tommaso three years. And, and, Margon, Gar, and Johnny Gargano had their. It was the one where Tommaso tore up his knee. Uh, yes. It was a two out of three falls, I believe that match was. Or I think. I think it was. It was a, or something. I mean, that was great. Yeah. Um, outside, like they've had some more games that were good, but I would say probably that match with uh, Gargano and. Tommaso was probably the peak that I can think of off the top of my head. Fish, let me ask you this question. You know, Johnny and Tommaso are, are great wrestlers. Why don't they work out when they were moved up to Raw? What What do you think was the big thing that just didn't connect? Is it so far off to say NXT uh, Universe and Raw Universe are just light years away from each other? I don't know. What happens in the transition? Because Tommaso Ciampa has a great look. He's got a great build. He's got a great character. When he brings that title belt to the ring and he's got it clutched against his chest and he calls it Goldie and he talks to it and he's, he plays such a great character. I don't know what happens when he gets to the, to the main roster that that, I don't know if he doesn't get a chance to play that character or gets put in the right spotlight, but he's a phenomenal athlete. I, I loved him. I mean, when he was in NXT, that was that was a great storyline, and I just I don't know if they get watered down or they're told to hold back, or they're just not given a chance. And I don't know why they wouldn't give him a chance because they're money. I mean, yeah. they need to make the next the next generation's cars, and they're it. So I don't Happens know all who's the, time. the strings or what the deal is. Let me yeah, let Ricochet me get got up there and Ricochet fizzled out. Let me let me ask. Um, let me ask the Rid on this one. What what's your take on this? Because I feel like after that big, you know, we'll, we'll call it graduating class. Um, at one point, they all moved on, right? So the Alistair Blacks moved on. Obviously, Johnny and Tommaso did move on, and then obviously moved back again. Um, the great tag teams moved on. Some of them ended up getting released. Why do you think there's such a a disconnect? Like we're talking about with tag teams and with just the fan approval, because the takeovers used to at one point in time be red hot. But now when you get moved up to raw and SmackDown, is it just looked at as you're just the, the fledgling on the brand? Do you think they don't give the guys of NXT enough respect when they move to a raw or SmackDown? Uh, I think like you're going from big fish, small pound pond of NXT and Depending on where you they come up on the card, they have to pretty much start over from like the bottom to mid card and try to rework their way back up. And to put that much time, it doesn't look like the main roster, Raw or SmackDown, wants to invest that time again to bring them back up to main event status. You know, like for me, the best NXT product I can remember was the Shinsuke, Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, that era there. 
because you had storylines, you had wrestling. Samoa Joe said in an interview, he don't care if he goes to the main roster. He would stay at NXT because that's what he loved. And right. if you get people that know, well, yeah, it's an honor to get called up, but they really don't want to. They're happy where they are. There's something wrong with your main product then. You know, uh, I was listening to a video and they were comparing wrestling now to wrestling in, in the 90s. And they were, it was in the oddities. And they're like, the pop for the oddities coming out with ICP and Luna and all of them, that pop, and they were mid card to lower mid card, was as big in the 90s as the main roster, main event people are now. Now, that should say something. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. Um, it's funny, I mean, because think about it, you guys. When when we would normally talk about WCW versus the WWF, and one of the biggest knocks on WCW was, A, you're bringing in older guys who have already had their, their fun in the sun, right? And they are past their prime. However, they never really grew. And they never really invested in the future. Yeah, they had the power plant. And yes, they had. They were they were very expressive and very cutting edge when it came to the luchadors and all different kinds of other types of styles of wrestling. But they never really built young and upcoming stars, so they got knocked. Well, the WWE is kind of doing the same thing. They start bringing something up, Chris. But why now have it seemed like they've changed the recipe? Now it's like, oh, yeah, we want to invest in the future. But then when the future comes, they're not so high on bringing it in. Half the reason they bring some of the talent up, I honestly believe, is because they just want to keep them around. The reason they keep some guys in, in NXT as well, they don't want them to go to Japan, uh, Impact, AEW, ROH. Guys are just getting murdered. They're, they're amounting to nothing. And, and kind of go on a, a little bit, when you're talking about their WCW, when they had like the older guys and whatnot, there's nothing wrong with having your, your older guys and, and your names on the card. Cause that's, what's going to bring people in. Right. And you can get some exposure to your younger talent, but you got to let your younger talent, your newer talent work its way up. So it can eventually replace, you know, your, your legends and whatnot. That's kind of would be a smart way to do it. Like any business, you know, you bring in some new blood, keep the people around who, you know, have some value, but you eventually push them on out the door with the new talent because you just replace them. It's that was call. one of the things WCW did wrong. They just kept pushing, you know, the NWO, all 704 members of it, and bury everybody else, and it was the shits. Boog writes in these dudes too busy trying to make it and putting their bodies on the line at NXT when they make it and then have to do it again. No, you're right. It's it's like after you've already proven yourself, you're a proven commodity in NXT. You should be a proven commodity when you are brought into another brand. And unfortunately, it's just like starting off at, at ground zero all over again. You have to prove yourself. You have to prove who you are. And I think that is, um, that's really disheartening, but it just shows you how different the two worlds of nxt and wwe are jersey devil also says you're in vince's line of sight once you're called up you never heard about nxt 
being torn up and rewritten an hour or two before going on air. NXT wasn't catering to an audience of one, which is Vince. Awesome comment there by Jersey Devil. I think you you hit it right there on the money. We've never heard of controversy when it comes to the, the putting together of a show because you have Shawn Michaels, you have Triple H, you have guys who understand what's going on. They've been there. They've done that. They are younger, and they're not a late 70s Vince McMahon who is still bringing back Legends Nights, um, which we're going to definitely talk about at one time. Do we still think these Legends Nights could, should continue, or do we think, eh, I think the uh, the sun has set on that? Um, I want to bring Fish into the conversation here. This is a topic that I found to be very interesting that came across the newswire. And Amanda Huber is responding to criticism how AEW is using Brody Lee Jr. on TV. So a lot of people are saying right now, a lot of fans are saying that, shame on you, AEW. You are exposing uh, this young man um, and the unfortunate situation that's happened in his life. And you really need to stop it now. Um, Brody Lee's wife, Amanda, went on social media and she said this. Um, I love pro wrestling my entire life. It's been my world for 19 years now, and I still love it. Um, it's one of the most things in the world. Um, I've tried to ignore the online stuff, uh, but I see the snide comments about Brody's involvement, the use of the word exploitation. It is so disheartening. Our world crumbled. AEW has helped pick up the pieces. It's easy to be distrustful of any corporation, and I'd be lying if I didn't constantly think um, that sometimes rugs can get pulled from underneath you, but it hasn't. So let me ask you this question. You got a young kid who just lost his father, and this cannot be easy. I've never experienced uh, losing a parent when I was a child. I can't even remotely begin to throw my two cents in the conversation because I don't belong in that conversation. But Fish, what do you think about this? Do you think that these are just trolls? They're negative people. They have no nothing better to say because – you know what? They're, they're just, they can't accept the fact that this young man is being shown so much love and support after losing his dad. Yeah. I mean, it's for one, it's his, it's his mom's decision to make. Uh, first and foremost, don't feed the trolls. A lot of people are just haters and they're just going to pile on and play Monday morning quarterback. I've lost my son. I did so a couple of years ago. And if I could, if it was, if there was a situation where my kids could be in, a, in and around his, friends, the football team he was on, the basketball team he was on, and keep them around this way, they can exchange stories about him to help them heal. That's a good scenario. Same thing with Junior. He's hanging around with his dad's buddies. They're just gonna tell him stories that helps him heal and helps to get. It helps Junior get to know another side of his father. It gets to let him know stories about his dad and it's going to inevitably help him heal. I can't see a bad situation from this. If the kid's going to be around hanging out with his dad's buddies and they're just going to tell him stories and get to know sides of his father, he might not know or reinforce the good stories he has heard about his dad in the first place. So W quote unquote using Brody Jr. in storylines. Eh, that's not my decision. It's not my place to judge. If it's helping him heal and get over losing his dad, that's freaking phenomenal. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Um, Rit, what's your take on this? Do you feel like, um, 
you know, this this whole storyline of, of using Brody Lee Jr. has run its course? Or do you think, no, you know what? I think we can keep mixing this in, um, not only for the fact that it's it's good for the story. Um, the Dark Order has become a very f- fan-friendly uh, faction. Um, it has really become something that it's not really dark anymore. It, it's very much of a family thing, and the audience has really gravitated towards it. Do you think this is still good to mix him in occasionally? Well, didn't AEW give him a contract? They did. Um, once he turns 18 years old, he will have a full-fledged contract to start training, um, I believe, either at the Nightmare Factory or at uh, Dustin's uh, facility. So he's definitely going to have an opportunity to be trained by just the cream of the crop, either way he goes. But are you still in favor of them bringing him on TV, or do you think, you know what, enough's enough, we need to move on? No, I, I love it. If you're, if you're looking at a business standpoint, uh, you're you're taking an interest in your future investment. You know, having him out there now in front of everybody, in front of his you know extended family with the AEW locker room is just getting him comfortable uh, for the future. And, you know, he gets all this, like uh, Fish said, he gets all the stories. You know, he gets to learn firsthand from everybody. That That's an experience of a lifetime. And the whole Dark Order themselves now, they, they went overnight from a bunch of heel faction to a complete babyface faction. And he's, you know, was it minus one, negative one? He's he's like helping them get over even more uh, with, with the small snide stuff he does. You know, MJF. Uh, you know, in the in the commentators booth with Excalibur and stuff. Uh, I think it's really good. You know, for them to do that. Uh, it's not like they owe him anything, but it's helping them. You know, move forward, and that's the best uh, best thing. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. Um, great comments here. So Anton says, I personally love the stuff with him. It always makes me smile. Um, Erka Jerk also says, ah, maybe the family needs the moral support more than the privacy. I agree with that as well. It's one of those things where I can't comment. I, I feel like it's not my place because I haven't lived or walked that road. But if I did, I would definitely say whatever helps that child, whatever helps that wife, um, you know about this more so than, than anybody, Fish. It's one of those things where you have to take it one day at a time. And if it's what's best for the parent, if it's what's best for the child, you just go with it and you let it organically just kind of evolve. And then you'll know when you're ready to move on. Yeah, agreed. Um, something that I thought was very interesting here, WWE, uh, gosh, and, and I don't want to seem like I pile on. Mikey Mikey says that I'm a, a WWE hater. I wouldn't go that far. Um, I'm, I'm just not a big fan of what they do. Now, a lot of people have criticized them because they bring in older stars like Bill Goldberg. Uh, they bring him in for the Saudi Arabia shows, which, by the way, you guys, if you've been paying attention to world news, all that stuff that's been going on, I don't necessarily know if WWE is going to be uh, staying in business with uh, the Saudis after we found out all the information that it seems like there is intelligence that has been uh, come out that um, there was a little more shenanigans around um, the whole disappearance and untimely death of that uh, news reporter. So we will leave that aside. Um, I often thought that that was kind of 
a slippery slope to even begin to get into. But once again, Vince sees dollar signs, and sometimes there's certain people that that's all they see. Speaking of dollar signs, take a look at your screen, kids. Paul Heyman has made comments that The Rock has contacted him for a match with Roman Reigns. Let's go ahead, Fish. I'm going to start with you right away. Is this just yet another example of, my God, we cannot keep going back to the old scrap heap? Now, granted, The Rock is not a scrap heap guy. He is a mainstream movie star. However, he's not a regular guy. We need to build upon people who are going to be here day in and day out. What's your take? Yeah, he's not even a part-timer. He comes out once a year, does a match, and that's it. Um, and he comes in for a, a basically a WrestleMania or a big show, and he goes bye-bye. I, mean, I just can't believe. Here's where I love what AEW does. And we can go past this the last two weeks. They're telling a long-term storyline, this long storyline with, with MJF, in the inner circle, and it's been building over months, this long, drawn-out storyline. And it just seems that WWE, and I know Mikey, I hate WWE too. I'm with I'm with Freeland on this one. They just do short-term storylines, and they just don't think big picture to tell these long, evolved stories. They just play, you know, for the for the quick fix. A quick fix, quick fix, quick fix. And that's that's all they do. That's how they tell stories. It's it's like they do sitcom stories where AEW is doing these long, drawn-out um, novels of a story. And the great example is what they're doing right now with MJF Inner Circle. They've been telling that for flipping months. And it's got no end in sight. And I, I can't wait. I, I flipping can't wait. Uh, Rit, what do you think about this? I mean, once again, The Rock, I don't think this match is even going to take place because I think it's going to be um, – it's obviously going to be what Edge versus uh, Roman Reigns, but or whoever else they decide to put with it. Crap, that show gets changed minute by minute. But I wouldn't necessarily put him with some of the older time legends because I think there's something there's there's a there's a aspect of The Rock, there's an aspect of John Cena that's still woven into WWE's current fabric. But kind of like the fish said. You can't keep going back to that old well. At some point in time, some of these guys you're not utilizing are going to say, hey, why am I here? If I am not going to be utilized, I should be let go. What's your take on bringing in stars such as The Rock? Well, to counteract what Fish said, uh, I'm thinking just personally myself, the whole – ever since Roman Reigns went heel with Heyman, I personally thought it's been a long, drawn-out storyline for him to face The Rock. And I said it was either going to be at WrestleMania or SummerSlam, ever since Roman said, I'm the head of the table. And if they would bring The Rock back, I think it would only be to finally put Roman over as the next you know, main event star. Now, can The Rock do it? You know, we'll see. But... It, it, if you bring it back and you sprinkle a little dust over here and there, I can see it. It's fine. But to bring bring them back just to do fantasy matches, yeah, like like Goldberg Taker, that was a fantasy match. That, no storyline, no build up. You know, that's that was just that. You know, DX and Kane and Taker in Saudi Arabia. Uh, you can't you can't do that. You know, because the younger talent that is there 
establish needs, you know, to eventually move up. And if you don't make stars for tomorrow, there's going to be no tomorrow. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing that the WWE right now is starting to struggle with is that because they've become so successful and they've grown so much, are they at a point right now where it's just not really – they have such a fat lead. If, if this is a horse race, right, they're already three-quarters away around, and the closest competitor is not even at the halfway mark. Let me ask you this, but do you think it's just they're just getting kind of lackadaisical with it? They just – they just don't have that fire under their ass that forces them. It forces their hand to become better. And it's just a, a level of complacency. Or do you think maybe it's the wrong people in creative pushing the buttons and writing the scripts? Probably a little, a little of B uh, for ever. They had no competition really. And last person to really compete with them was WCW. And that was forever ago. But TNA was never, competition for them right? or impact where you want to call it ring of honor was never a competition for him but some of it also is you know, vince has been running the show vince and uh bruce pritchard they've been running the show forever and they probably they need some new ideas new way of thinking probably brought in it wouldn't hurt them. vince's 70 plus years old now i would imagine or close to it and he still kind of runs the show everything goes through him and he's not exactly keeping up with the times he's still thinking a little bit in the old school so it's probably a little bit of both i think aew is maybe giving them a little bit of a boot ass because there's some competition i mean and i love aew but they're not in the same category as WWE. Right? That's that's apples and oranges. It'd be nice to see it get to where they can compete. They're not there yet, unfortunately. So it's kind of a combination of both. It, they need some fresh blood in there helping with the creative 100%. Whether it be Triple H, no, why not? Pretty knowledgeable. Right? The road dog. Unless they fired him by now, I don't know. They think he gas some guys hand over fist. Right? I mean, he's brilliant. The Armstrongs are brilliant wrestling minds. Right? Shawn Michaels is in NXT. You know, you can say what you want NXT. Is maybe not what it was, but Shawn is still a brilliant mind. Had a, you know, he was a great performer. Maybe give those guys a little bit of a chance. Maybe some new writing. As opposed to it all going through the same recycled thing of Bruce and, and Vince. Won't hurt. I agree. No, I agree with you completely. Guys, don't go anywhere. We are going to come back. Short little break. We're going to wrap it up and we'll give our final thoughts. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Awesome. All right, guys, we are back. We do appreciate you hanging out with us. It has been a long night. We do appreciate that. Uh, let's get some final thoughts here as we go around the horn. Looks like the butt's going ahead and getting himself another drink, Matt. Yes, he is. I heard the ice cubes in the glass. God, I sounds love like, that. Like brandy coming. It sounds good. Fish, 
What's your final take? What do you want to leave people with as they head into AEW uh, tomorrow night and um, the rest of the week of wrestling? And what's your what's your thoughts on what has happened and what you hope to see by the week's end? I hope the show is better than it was last week. Um, there were a couple of things on the show that I did not really care for. Um, namely, was the women's match. Um, I I can't think of their names. I, I love... Uh, Shida, I love Thunder Rosa, but um, the two other Japanese girls they brought in cannot throw a working punch or a working kick to save their freaking life. It was such a long match and such a horrible piece together thing. Um, I hope Lance Archer, they decide if they're going to make him go heel or face, because I feel like the last like two months he's been face, and before that he was heel, and now it looks like he's going back to, to heel again in the... Uh, in the words of Jim Cornette, make him a heel because the dude's a heel. <laughs> let him just be a heel and just let him be a monster. Because for a couple of weeks there, he's, he's, you know, grinning for the crowd and looking to get a pop and there's no crowd. He's doing guy stuff. Dude, make up your mind. You're a heel. Be a heel. Um, but I love what they're doing with the, uh, with uh, MJF's little crew now. I, I really want to see what they're going to do, what they're going to name them. I think we should have a little contest, wrong answers only, of what they're going to call MJF new little crew. But that storyline is freaking fantastic, and I can't wait to see where to go. Dude, that's awesome. Oh, love Scorpio it, love Sky. it, love it. Scorpio Sky is finally getting a push. Scorpio Sky, Scorpio Sky. Scorpio Sky is awesome. Can't wait to see what they're going to do with them. Yes, I agree 100%. Unfortunately, yeah. I knew – here's the one thing I'll say with AEW. We need to stop doing the knocks on WWE. Okay, the brass ring. Okay, we get it. We get it. We understand that's a reference to to WWE. I understand the little tiny pot shots. I don't necessarily think it's necessary, but yes, what I do think is necessary is making sure you push Scorpio Sky. He's young. He's a good-looking dude. He's athletic. He can talk. Why are we not utilizing him even more? Uh, Rit, let me throw it to you. Final comments this week. What would you like to see out of the rest of this week in wrestling? What are some things that you're looking forward to, and what are some things you're thinking, eh, stop right here. Don't want any more of that. First things first, can we get it open? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's been a consistent thing for almost two and a half years. I think we might have gotten maybe a dozen, roughly. So, unfortunately, we won't get one again this week. So, what's your take on the wrestling scene? What you are hoping for? What your wish list is? And what you hope does not rear its ugly head? Uh, first things first, I got to follow the fish there, and that's a hard act to follow. But, man, that that swerve, with Ed, I thought they were just going to kick Jericho out of the inner circle. Yes. He was taken over. I did not see the whole, you know, him getting his own stable together. I did not see that coming, and I loved it. I love when when wrestling, you think it's going one way. My man Piper said it the best. When you think you got all the answers, I changed the questions, and that's exactly what AEW did. And uh, I'm excited to see where we're going with that. It can only get better. Uh, another match I am loving to see, Pentagon and yes. Cody. Yes. That is going to be epic. And it's about time that they're actually pushing Pentagon to his full potential. And giving them more TV time. Because they're already giving Ray Phoenix his TV time. 
Now it's time to get Pentagon his, and hopefully it leads to more of a main event status because I would love, as much as I love to see Cody and Pentagon, Freeland, are you sitting down? Of course you are. That's, that's how I live my life. Are you kidding me? I, I want to see, see a Pentagon uh, Kenny Omega match Ooh. for the AEW title. Ooh. Seattle. Seattle. I love that shit. I tell you what, I do that all the I do that in front of Megan's face, and she's like, what? And I do that little walk up like that. I tell you, it's just, it never gets old, kids. No, you don't grow up. You grow out, and that's what I do. And the last thing I'm kind of curious because it hasn't been done ever. If you look at the card for tomorrow night's AEW show, and then look at the main event, yes, I'm hoping the main event is not going to be a letdown, and they can keep up. I agree. But if anybody, anybody can do it. The doctor is in the house. I think she's right. Dr. Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa are going to be the main event tomorrow night on my birthday, and I can't wait. Oh, all right. So you brought it up, and I was going to sit there and surprise Freeland popped out. I did. Tomorrow. I I popped out of the whoop. No, I actually popped out of the uh, out of the hooch at about seven. I think it was seven seventeen, seven eighteen. She see. Here's the problem. She had like she had tacos the night before. And here I am down there, and here comes the the cheese and the, the beef, and I'm thinking, this is my last meal before I have to come out and make my my debut. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be a curtain jerker in the womb anymore, and that's what I get. So a little after 7 o'clock, I said, all right, I'm up. I stretched. I'm heading out, and I did. A little crick and in the neck, but you know what? It's all good. Next, next thing you know, you're like a shock master, tripped over everything coming out. I did. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Um, oh, but you got to you got to tell me here. What's your hopes for the rest of this week as far as wrestling? What do you want to see, and what do you hope stays away from your television screen? I want to see him sort out Eddie Kingston because he's. I don't care for how the whole thing's going down mm -hmm. right now. Right. He's being played off like a fool. He's better than that. He's probably the best talker in AEW, to be honest with you. He is. He's got Very ring good. talent. They got to do something better with it now, just with the whole fiasco after the barbed wire explosion match and how Eddie looked like an ass clown. They got to sort that out somehow. Give him a microphone, let him go offside on somebody. You got to do something there. And hopefully Britt and Thunder Rosa can pull it off. I don't think it's going to happen, though, honestly. I, think, I don't think that's going to be much of a main event. Uh, uh, I am going to disagree. Not that I... I'm going to tell you it's probably going to be good. And that's about as far as I can go. But what I'm going to tell you is it's going to be a good show. I've been told it's going to be a really, really, really good show by a lot of different people who are really big fans. I'm a big fan of, ah, 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 pull a little harder. What's that thing she does, the mandible claw on your throat? Love that. Love that. Just make sure you wash your hands before you go down there. Sure, it's not the first thing that's been stuffed on your throat, is it? Hey, you know what? It's a lot of things you got to do to get through college, my friend. You got to get ahead sometimes. Beggars can't be choosers. 
Um, no, I think it's going to be a great show. And I think it's going to be wonderful. I think a lot of people are going to have fun watching it. And it's going to be my birthday. And it's going to be great. So before we say our fairly wells, I want everyone to do me a favor. Please, uh, we're going to start out with the fish. Tell people where they can find you. Your awesome other show, which is doing extremely well, just got picked up by yet another network. So tell people where they can find your show, where they can find you, and all those wonderful details. You can find me at Room 13 at Mojo50.com, also at Odyssey1.com. We are everywhere where podcasts can be caught. I am the Riverfish and my partner, Rocky. We do a very family-friendly show covering the latest of the news and life. Thank you can find me at HNU where I do little eight to 10 minute little snippets of motivational talk. Also, you can find that anywhere more motivational. Well, anywhere where podcasts can be caught as well. You can also find me at Liberty Lighthouse. I do little five minute little run segments there. Also on mo50.com and uh, anywhere else podcasts can be caught. Excellent. Um, good friend, the writ, tell people where you can be found Tell them about everything that is you, and if people want to keep in contact with you, how can they do that on the old social media? Well, you can find me on Twitter at underscore the underscore rip with two T's, like the butt. Uh, you can also find me with my good friend Beardo, uh, the butt, and Groberg when we relaunch uh, Cult of Beardo, April 1st. Ooh, ooh, so there's going to be a relaunch of the Cult of Beardo with a guy named Grober? Have we ever heard of this Grober man before, or is this going to be a brand new character? It's uh, Groberg, and he uh, he was on with me with uh, Primetime Rewind. And we picked up uh, our Canadian man from the north, the butt. So it's going to be more action-packed than before. Gonna be action packed or ass packed? Well, since we got the butt, it's gonna be ass packed. That's right. I love it. Made love it, it, love it. Well, guys, that looks like that is going to do it. So please go ahead and follow Mojo Riverfish, follow the Rit, follow Christopher Butt. Hit him up on social media as well. They love to talk wrestling with you. Hit him up with uh, some questions. Ask him, hey, you know what? I heard you say this on the show. Love if you would explain this a little bit further. They will do it. Also, please show some love to Mikey and Jerry, who are still out right now. Fingers crossed that they will be returning with us at some point in time. But you can pick up their merchandise at Pro Wrestling Tees. Cruise on over there, and you can put in Mikey Whipwreck, Jerry Lynn. All their stuff's going to pop up. And if you want to get Front Row Material merchandise, there's always birthdays coming up. Always birthdays. You can go over there and you can get a wonderful beanie hat like the writ is showing right now. You can also get a corresponding for material t-shirt. That is not an iron on. No, 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 no. That's the real deal. So if you want to get something like that, koozies, onesies for babies, duffel bags, anything like that, glow in the glow in the dark condoms. I think we may have something like that. Not really quite sure, but you can always put in a request over at spreadshirt i am mike freeland you can follow me if you would like i am at mike freeland and most importantly i want to thank everybody for joining us yet for another week i want to thank our special guest chris van fleet 
an amazing individual. We will definitely have him back for a part two, a part three, and hopefully even more. Follow him over on social media at Chris Van Vliet. You can also follow him on his YouTube channel. Subscribe, follow, like, share, all that kind of good stuff. And I think that's about it. I've gone through an entire uh, almost two monsters, so I think that I need to be done. You drinking a monster as well, but what you're drinking? What was your drink of choice tonight, my friend? Rum tonight. Rum. Do you hear the way he says that? Rum. I'm drinking rum, and then I'm gonna go kill me an animal outside. How much snow you got out there right now? Because you're like you're yeah. you're like in the middle of nowhere. None. You I have no snow. Nothing. Wow. He, he is yep. lucky that he had his power on all the whole episode. Yes. I was just about to say that dial up that AOL hanging in there, buddy. Wasn't hanging the in there. Whole neighborhood was out. That's a shame. That's a shame. Damn you interwebs. Damn you. It was probably all a right. moose ran into a power line or some fucking thing. They were, you know what? Somebody once told me, they said, I think I've seen the butt before. And I said, well, really, are you just a fan of social media? Are you a fan of him on these different podcasts? And they said, no, I could have swore he was an extra on Northern Exposure. So at some point you're going to have to address that. I mean, were you friends with Joel Fleischman? I, I, I mean, I don't know. Might be something we might have to get the detective on. All right, I'm done. I've said so much. God, and I have to go to the bathroom. When you sit here for two hours and you drink two monsters, I swear to God, I feel like I'm in my second trimester. And uh, I got to go. Okay, with that being said, (laughs) we are going to get out of here. And uh, yeah, I've been delaying this so really long because uh, I'm running the truck and I have no place running the truck. So here we go. See you next week. Bye. Freedom's gone. Oh, we're still alive? What a clusterfuck. One of them should be entertaining. <laughs> Anybody know how you end this thing? This is going to be fantastic. Yep. We should call customer support. Here, I'll be customer support. Thank you oh, for calling. I just, how could I have this It's even going to be hey. better. What is this, 7-Eleven? No, I'm calling Freeland. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have no idea what's happening. I could not end the show. It would not let me end broadcast. So I muted everybody, and hopefully no one said anything else and just left. Oh, okay. Well, why don't you just pull a Jerry? I, I couldn't end it. I hit end broadcast, and it says it said this action is not permitted. So you you don't have access to your own show? Is, is, it, is everyone gone now from the show? Yeah, we're all gone. Okay, good. Oh. Uh, so, check out and see if it's still... Why, is it still on? Is it still going? Yep, still on. You gotta be, you gotta be fucking shitting me. <laughs> um... <laughs> oh, shit.
This, this could not be going any more ridiculous. The world of MLW Radio never stops.